Hello everybody, it's Friday night and it is weekender time once again. On this week's show, I'm joined by John, Justin and Shay, or the three Justins as I call them, to take you through the week's worth of gaming and tabletop news. So sit back and relax, because your weekend starts here. Happy Friday! Hello, everyone. We're back. Shay survived salute, didn't you, Shay? <laughs> barely, barely, barely survived. Yes, salute. I did. I, I, I hear one of the kitchen staff tried to assassinate you. Yeah, yeah. Someone who saw me a rap tried to kill me. That was nice. So glad I took the salad now. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish I was vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought the healthy option was the safe way to go? Huh? World gone mad. Um, if you didn't make it down to the XL in London last weekend, uh, you wouldn't have had a chance to say hello to us, which is terrible. Uh, Many people did. Shocked. Absolutely shocked, as I am, that people actually, A, listen to us and and B, enjoy what we're doing. Uh, I just assumed that we were uh, just the speed bump in the road of life that you had to get over to find out what was happening. I'm just screaming into the void of YouTube. Yeah, but apparently apparently people appreciate what we do. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, Any of those we got to say hello to. I'd seen some people commenting that they seen us, but we were talking and so they couldn't talk to us. Uh, And then they moved on with their lives. So apologies if you couldn't say hello. Uh, Maybe you'll get us next year. Who knows? Um, Or Expo's on the cards. Expo is not far away. We'll get to that shortly. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, if you didn't get to see us and the mannequin of Shea, (laughs) uh, which didn't look like that after being on his feet for about eight hours solid. um, No, he did not. No, he did not. We have the live blog there, which contains photo galleries from both the gaming tables um, and also Peachy covered the painting competition for us as well. So you can have a look through those. There are some corking tables. That one, particularly good. The uh, Carantan table, um, done by the retired war gamers uh, and a lovely gentleman who does a prog rock um, radio show as well. So does a lot of work for charity. It's progtastic. Uh, we will be revisiting Slut over the next few weeks because... I dragged Shay around and talked to what seemed like most people, but then turned out to be less than a quarter of the tables that were ongoing there, which is madness, Shay, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it was a bit mental, it was. It, it wasn't a short day. Um, no. But oh, I don't know when they're going to start going out. Isn't next Wednesday, Justin? Is that the plan? Uh, yeah, um, so with the amount you guys filmed, if, I, if it pl- works out the way I'm planning and hoping it works out, there should be four videos. Three of them containing five segments, one of them containing six, because apparently, according to Shay, there's one you filmed, his favorite, your favorite, which might be a little bit too spicy for the interwebs. No, it's fine. No, Bunny Badger mm-hmm. Games, guys. There's yeah, nothing wrong with fantastic. that. Fantastic. That's what I said to him. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Disclaimer night. I've said it now. Nothing spicy about it. No, <laughs> be fine. Um, pe- people really enjoyed those games as well. 
Um, mm. You couldn't. Uh, it was yeah. we had to. We literally went back to them as they were closing the show up because it was the first chance we'd got to get near any of their tables because they'd been <laughs> hip deep in people all day long. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's just a chance to see not only the tables because you can see those in the photo gallery. Uh, although Shay did take lovely pictures of them walking all around, but also a chance to find out who was running them, um, mm. the games they were using or adapting or written themselves for it and, and what they what they were all about and then also because a lot of them are club games as well got you know gives you a chance to find out about clubs that might be near to you mm. in your area uh, that you could potentially visit in the future as well yeah Which, or that you can get press ganged into for next year yeah well press ganging is always good it was a blood and plunder table so you, you could get press ganged quite, quite <laughs> um but yeah so salute it's gone uh, and like Justin was saying, the next one that's going to be coming down the tracks is UKGE. Mm. Um, yeah, that's only 36 days away. Yep. And are you sure it's 36? I thought it was right at the start of June. Yep. So 36 days away. Well, okay. 35 if you're watching this on Friday night, 36 as we record it. If you're watching <laughs> it on Saturday, 34, you get the idea, deduct one from the day. Um, but we have a few uh, videos coming up with Tony, one of the directors. Uh, the first one, which we've already stuck out there, is for the game publisher and designer track. Uh, now, that is important because... Um, if you are a games designer and you're thinking about getting involved with it, there's a lot of stuff going on, not just for people buying and selling and um, playing games, but if you want to actually get your game published, they've got a whole host of seminars and events, some of which are time sensitive for sign up. Mm -hmm. So if you want to sign up to them, you need to have like prototypes submitted or videos submitted by the 15th of May, I want to say. So we go through that in the video. Um, if you want to find out more, beyond the video if you come to the ukg website see 36 days to go i was right um and you go to what's on this whole drop down bit is all for publishers and designers so if you've got an idea for a game you might find something in there about um how to go about pitching it or how to go about designing a prototype or play testing or getting in contact with play testers all of that good stuff as the man says is in that drop down there so you can uh, check those out. Like I said, we've got two more videos with the delightful Tony uh, yeah. coming about the, the sort of stuff that non-games designer people can get involved in while they're over there um, because we're, we're going big this year on the, uh, the live stream. Mm -hmm. um, I believe we're kicking the live stream off on the Friday morning with Luke Gygax. Oh, interesting. So, son of Gary the man who more or less started all of this nonsense going. Mm. Um, certainly in, in modern age, uh, the RPG industry probably wouldn't exist in the same way we think about it without Gary and his uh, initial descent into the dungeons with the dragons. But yeah, lots of stuff coming from UKG in 36 days. All right, just, just think about it. We have to strip out the whole studio. Bring it all the way to England. Set up all the city at the UK Games Expo. It'll be fine. It'll, it'll be grand. I hear we've got chairs this year and everything. Nah. Remind me not to go near any wraps. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't, okay. Don't. Actually, having shared a room with you and heard the fire hose, <laughs> I, I, I'll be keeping wraps away from you. I'll probably be just feeding you to go and hear some cool. 
nutritious see, bland gruel for you. Uh, see, the, this this reminds me of one many many moons ago, back in like I think it was 2011. Uh, myself and Warren were across at Black Library Live, mm-hmm. and after Black Library Live, we went out with the estimable man John Stallard himself for a few pints. Jaren, Warren had quite more than a few pints back then. Mm. And we ended up in a kebab shop. And when we get back to the hotel, I swear to God, it sounded like a machine gun. Nice. Yeah. So kebabs are off the menu too. Right. It's not going to leave you with much to eat there, Shay. Probably peas. Peas and gruel. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'll go, down, I'll go down the Ben Roy. I'll become a vegetarian. Oh, God. Don't even say it. Say it ain't so. Just we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> Shame. Right. Before this descends into madness. Um, yes. Those are the updates, but now it's time for the most important part of the week. It is, of course, the indie of the week. And this week, it's Wereweevil Miniatures, which in and of itself is a great name for a company because... A little bit of a tongue twister. Ah, I mean, nobody really worries about werewolves or werebears these days. Wereweevils are where it's at. (laughs) Uh, Now, he is Australian. That's our first caveat. Marcus Blackman, oh. uh, which means whenever you see any prices in dollars and go, oh my God, that's ridiculous. It's Australian dollars, different exchange rate, lower than I believe the US dollar. Uh, and secondly, weevils probably exist. Everything else does in Australia between the drop bears and the <laughs> armies and all the rest. So this is just something else that you should be avoiding when yeah, see, in the you're, antipodes. You're reading it weevil. I'm reading it we evil. That makes less sense, but sure, you, you do you. It has to be an animal. <laughs> okay, okay. Animal. Where we will. Anyway, uh, so this is a range of 28mm resin cast miniatures from Marcus um, that he's been working on and off for a few years now. Now, in fact, we'll stay here and I'll just go down because when you see them, they are very old hammer aesthetic-y, um, which is where this sort of springs from. And obviously the old hammer... Um, community is massive. In fact, uh, it was Josh from the Crown of Command podcast who went, have you seen these to me? And I went, I have not. Uh, I'm so glad that you've introduced me to them. He is working on a game, uh, the Spire of Apophis, which is good because I've been watching a lot of Stargate recently, um, which will use all of the miniatures that you're going to be seeing um, in some sort of weird infectious spire type of thing. So think creepy Necromunda, creepy, creepy termite mound. Do weevils live in mounds? Some sort of creepy spire. I don't spire even know what a weevil is. They're tiny little bugs that get into things like flour and corn and maize and stuff. And okay. You end up with weevily biscuits. You've seen master and commander. You must always choose the lesser of two weevils. You're going to say you haven't, aren't you? I have. Oh my God. Master and commanders are fantastic. Even if you don't like, um, John Shea, yay nay. I haven't watched mm-hmm. Master and Commander. Oh, it, it, it gladiator on a boat. Yeah. Think, think sharp, but as a captain of a, a, a ship during that sort of Trafalgar era. So I think, I think I've seen the trailer for it. Are they like chasing another ship? They are being chased and chasing another ship. All okay. of the above. Um, it's a great book series as well. Anyway, it sounds like every ship movie ever. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, unless they're, chas- unless they're chasing a monster or attempting to raise the Titanic, that's kind of what's going on. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the Wereweevil range, I suppose you could split into Orcs, Chaos, and Dwarves. 
bracketing loosely. Um, and if you are of a certain vintage, which none of you children are, oh my God. Where's Warren? <laughs> At least if Warren was here, he's slightly older and, and you know, one step closer to the grave than me, I wouldn't feel so bad. Um, but back in the day, there were a whole range of bots, especially the orcs used to make these little stunt bot type things that were based on Eldar and Space Marines and stuff. So these these kind of have that feel where you get some uh, orcish looking bots as well. So you can sort of drop these things in as um, killer cans or knob boy units or that sort of thing. But I'm, I'm quite intrigued as to his plans for the the spire game where you are attempting to infect or disinfect no oh, no that's not what i want to do. i want to go to other pictures there we go um but things like this i mean it's like a tiny little kinder surprise of doom coming at you with all the guns <laughs> just magic those uh, illegal in america yes well not the guns obviously the kinder surprise part yes yeah because chocolate and a surprise <laughs> why would you ever give that to a child Looking hazards. Look how utterly adorable he is. So a dreadnought orky robot. They are um, a delightful set of unusual figures, but I think the ones that really appeal to me the most beyond the um, egg bots and egg commanders are when he starts getting into the chaosy bits, because they are just a whole other level. Look at the daddy egg robots. It's so adorable. It's, it's like a little stumpy vader. It is 100% little stumpy vader. Can I open you a new one and will I get a top and a bottom to that picture? No, no you won't. Been, it's, been, <laughs> it's been photographed by me. But now you can see the feet and the heads. So that's yeah. good. Let's go back to the picture picture. I mean, vader telling you, you can rule the galaxy like egg and eggless. I find your lack of yolk disturbing. That's terrible. Yes, it, it is. Oh. I love it so much. Look, kick him. it's a Mark One Terminator <laughs> where the shoulder pads joined up at the top for reasons best known to whoever did the initial concept artwork of that because I'm fairly certain they couldn't move. Most likely, they probably looked at it with most of the ones these days and they go, if you shrug, you're going to squish your head. Tell you what, let's arc them up over the top. You can shrug all day. I think it was just to stop fire going past you and hitting people behind you. If you mm. actually filled the silhouette of a corridor in Terminator <laughs> armor, then... <laughs> I mean, you were just one more barrier. See, seeing these, it makes sense how, you know, they can only go single file in a Space Hulk. Well, that's the nice thing about tactical dreadnought armor. But here we have some of the uh, angrier types. So your cornate jugger egg mm -hmm. coming at you like Cleopatra down Main Street. He's so tiny. Yes. Well, I mean, that's 25 by 70 mil base. So, well, about 50 mil in length. So that's mm. it's more or less the correct size for Juggernaut before GW started expanding everything so you couldn't rank them up anymore for reasons mm. best known to themselves. Not that I'm better. Yeah. I am still better. Why have they made old world bases bigger? Yeah, the, this feels like this fella loves old school squats. Mm. He, he just was like, I need more squats. There aren't any, so I'll make them. I respect it. Uh, and there, there aren't any chaos squads mounted on Steeds of Slanesh. Mm. Charlie. <laughs> That's what's going on there. Look at it. Could you imagine that lancing away at you? I mean, it would give I you nightmares. Don't, I don't really want to. But it's a whole galvy bucket of extreme bizarre eggness. Mm. 
including this one, on Ex- what appears to be a base of really angry. Yeah, extremely angry eye. Like Skippy the Eye Child. <laughs> for, for all the Garth Marenghi fans out there. Back on tour. Just saying. I mean, there's a game coming up soon from Osprey called the da- or the Doomed. I was going to say the Damned, but that's Campton Sensible. That's different. Uh, the Doomed, and it's a post-apocalyptic monster weirdo help me help me skirmish game um no miniatures for it but i mean if something like that was coming out of an irradiated forest i can imagine that that's the sort of thing that you're going to have to beat to death with a two by four and a couple of nails through it or even this (laughs) i mean is that some sort of tongue or is that another protuberance or is it its foot it has to taste which direction you went oh oh that's not good well, I'd start swinging through trees like a orangutan. It's like a Roomba. Just goes across the trees. It's a Roomba of death. <laughs> Call it some of our chaos egg squats. Look at them. Ah, uh, cool. It's a ridiculous concept, and I'm 100% on board with it. I love it so much. Jerry approves this message. I mean... Anybody who had the original squats and exo armor, they were essentially eggs mm. with massive, massive shoulders. And occasionally you put them on bikes so they could actually reach something before the game ended, um, <laughs> which was always good. Uh, and I'm uh, kind of, I'm sad that the modern um, game doesn't have squats. It has these, what are they called? Leagues of Votan. Yeah. Which some people may think are squats. They're not squats. What's going on with all this high-tech sci-fi nonsense? Squats were fat, bald men on bikes, and occasionally they wore egg armor. Mm. Look at the big face on him. Yeah. See, I'm, I was almost expecting Jerry to turn around and I'm go, right. why do they have knees? They shouldn't have knees. Well, yeah, no, they shouldn't have knees. They, they should just be a pair of boots glued straight to the arse of an egg. And that is what I'm seeing here in all its corneate goodness. It's skulls. Yeah. Shell, look at it this way, Jerry. The They're so... They're they're so round. You can probably just say they have a higher oh. seat speed stat because they just roll downhill. I don't know which one went away, but one of them went away. There's there's another eyeball. It's just bizarre. Uh, I will. Ooh, I have to open that because he's on his delightful flying zinch disc. But I need to find the the regular squats and orcs. Though the rotten sewer grub set is quite nice. Look at him. Look at him on his flying little desk. Going from town to town, apologizing for that time Steve Irwin got stabbed up by a stingray. (laughs) That's what he does. That is his job in life. (laughs) The Herald of I'm Sorry. Yep. Give him a big maple leaf on his cape. Being Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, is, that is even terribler than I thought yeah. that's great <laughs> and then we have some of the orcs so orcs less egg like I mean not less well fed apparently he, you know but it has right. that classic late 80s early 90s feel where it looks like he's just taking a stop sign down <laughs> this is my backbone here's yeah. how this one goes were they as scrawny as that back in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
it feels very um first Mad Max movie. Yeah. Mm. They put the a green cutter. mask on some guy and just said, "Right, action." Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, today you're playing an arc. A what? That's it. Keep that up. That's it. Perfect. Do that. Some of the Imperial eggbots and Swarf. So Swarf's presumably Squat Dwarf. Swarf. Mm. So I don't know whether or not he's contacted Lloyd for his naming convention <laughs> of portmanteauing words together. Uh, but there we have a could be an, a mortar or could be one of the old school mole mortars, mm. which if you don't remember were great because they just burrowed underneath defences and then came up and exploded from below. If you angle it back a bit and stick a box on the end of it, it's a las cannon. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's got the cut off. Yeah. yeah. Just pour it out, off you go. If if Tim was around, Disney's the black hole. There were a couple of little robots that looked not dissimilar to that, although I'm fairly certain there was actually a monowheeled robot that looks identical to that in another kid's cartoon, but I'm damned if I can remember it. But I seem to remember yellow and black featuring heavily in the... uh, the paint job of it. But look at him coming at you on his tiny little monowheel. Was that a robot from DuckTales or something? Or something? It was of that ilk. Oh, Launchpad played some sort of RoboDuck. Yeah. yeah. I say played. He was. Yeah. Mild, mild New Vegas vibes, what do you think, Shay? I was actually thinking that. The yeah, from the Protectrons. Thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I'd be a New Vegas army. Oh, God. But you picked up some stuff, didn't you? Yeah, it was not in Vegas. Mm. Not the same, John. That's fine. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh. Okay. There's some of the runt butts. A tiny oh, dwarf commissar. The commissar. Oh. It's fantastic. He's so perfectly proportioned. <laughs> yeah, actually. He's, <laughs> the worst thing is, he's a very he's a very similar pose to the actual recent GW plastic one. But yeah, he still looks way better. Yeah, but you can imagine him being knee-high, screaming at guardsmen to get forward. Oh, perfect. He can't see where forward is. Uh, well, it's that direction, isn't it? He's sort of half Brian Blessed, half the commander from uh, Das Boat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Hello>, Jürgen. <laughs> There's one of our, our stunt bot type things. Oh, and, I want these, that painted up as an angry marine. These were just great back in the day. There's a Terminag stunt bot as well. I say, or sorry, orc bot, they call them here. But those bots were great. Did they ever bring, I know they brought bots back in, oh, what do you call it? The the new iteration of Blackstone Fortress Space Quest thing. Oh, they, they, did, they had yeah. like ambots and things. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And then you've got the, uh, oh, the, is it Catafractor or something for uh, the Mechanicus? They have yeah. bots now as well. But back when bots were bots and they existed, you would actually have like a programming list that you would program your bot to do at the start. It was all just like handwritten type of thing. So your bot, if, if no things within X, then walk forward. If no targets, then turn 90 degrees left. You know, you would set up your program beforehand and then just release it. I so because they didn't have obviously the whole thing was that AI is a terrible thing. You don't want them to have AI, so you just had to program a set of instructions into your bot and then deploy it and then hope that your instructions got it into position where it was actually doing some 
some good, <laughs> some little half guard for the swarfs and an ancestor lord. We I'm needed, very old. We needed Ben on this. Yeah, yeah I did tell Ben <laughs> that um, that I was going to do this. Uh, Ben's response was, "What well, on the week I'm not here, and I, hey, you know, you can come in." Uh, but I'm unboxing my new house. Oh, you, know. <laughs> you do that then, Ben. That will teach priorities, you. man. Priorities. Well, you know. So you tried to FOMO him. <laughs> Pretty much. One hundred percent. He was so annoyed. So annoyed. <laughs> That's the best part. Yep. Uh, I am uh, digging the range. It's very, very cool. Guess up and find some more of the craziness. Axonaut. Yeah, so this this is very similar to what a squat and exo armor used to look like. Only less eggy around the head. Mm. But otherwise pretty spot on with uh, twin plasma because yeah. that'll teach you and everyone around you. I love until, the boots. It's it is just just super glued to the body. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> He's a, he's a violent deep sea oh, diver. Oh, 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 that's a picture. But yeah. I, can, I can clearly see top and bottom there. Yeah. But whenever <laughs> I click on it and then open it, it's cropped. Yeah. Uh, but you see, the one you're opening there, Jerry, is you're opening the thumbnail, which is full. <laughs> yes. And but, tiny. Uh, but but when I open this one, it's cropped. Yeah. yeah. But the uncro- there is an uncropped version that exists somewhere in this website. <laughs> it, we just can't very, see it. Very tiny. So, and then the uh, ultimate entity set. That, and this is, I think, the um, the real joy of this. The just insane batshittery that yeah. has come out of um, Marcus's uh, mind, essentially. It's, where he's going, it's like an orc and a tyranid had a baby. Well, that's what happens when squats get corrupted. That there was the little squat in eggs of armor, uh, and and now it's it's gone wrong. It's not right, and this is why those hearth worlds should be bombed just into submission because they've gone completely Pete Tong. He is very fond of his eyeballs. Mm-hmm. He is a bit. Yeah, I couldn't see that. Yeah. Hey. Ow. See what you, you say. I'm bad. Well, you are bad. Uh, we'll finish off with a couple of. Ooh, I like the little chaosy lord. The, the chunkinator. Oh, Maximus. <laughs> yeah, he's, I like that. I good. want that. He's here to do his best. I want that. <laughs> I, this was a period when chaos squats, or it's obviously not from that period because it's modern, but it's from a homage from the chaos squat period where they took squats and chaosified them. And they did the same for dwarves. You would get like teeny tiny little chaos warriors, little fat stumpy chaos warriors. They were great for fantasy. And then they just GW decided that they needed to make the chaos dwarves look different. So they give them that um, Persian theme, which I've never been a fan of. I preferred the idea that regular dwarves got chaosified and not that it was a whole separate race of Persian dwarves that we hadn't really seen before. And then obviously 40k, they never got a chance to to go past that because the range got squatted. Fenar Fenar. He's quite good. I like that. There's a little squatting. Oh, sorry. Eggbot exosuit set. Oh, he's a happy chappy. He's really happy to be here. Yeah, the, the chunk in there. 
So <laughs> orc and uh, eggbot armor. Yeah, I like to think that he uses those two plasmas on his shoulders, not for war, but for cooking. It's it's entirely possible. We'll finish or off torches. with the uh, the here we go esque eggbot orcs. The thing that gets me is um, so many of these are just one piece resin casts. There's mm. the, there's not a huge amount of assembly on them. Mm. Uh, and where there is, it's things like this where gun barrels or the, the backpack may have to be slapped on. I mean, there's a mech boy squad that your opponent will not have a notion what's coming on. Because <laughs> yeah. neither do they. Yep. <laughs> there's someone I was always told, if it looks like you're getting in a, uh, into a fight, look crazier than the other guy, you'd be fine. Doc Tavis. Yeah. He's 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 got a grin from ear to ear. He's got so uh-huh. many teeth. He must be rich. Somebody should mug him. <laughs> <laughs> By mug him, I mean butter the ever living Jesus out of him. Anyway. Um yeah. Wear weevil miniatures. Start doing little collaborations with other other um sort of independent sculptors as well. So It'll be interesting to see what comes forth from that and where the uh, the range goes, including that um, Spires of Apophis uh, game where the, the whole idea is to corrupt or stave off corruption within the Spire. So I just, I, I just really like it. I don't know what Very it is they're good. feeding the people in Australia. Well, weevils, clearly. <laughs> uh, oh, those, all those Peranzacs. Sending them a bit wrong. Right. Enough of the indie. We're going to take a quick swish, and when we return, we'll check out some news. Coming to you from the center of Northwestern Europe. Covering board games, war games, card games, and all that sh- you love. It's the Muck f- News. <laughs> okay, we are back with news. And the first bit of news also comes from Australia. Can we flip the image upside down for the first half of the show? Just to show solidarity. <laughs> no? Well, you can't have everything. Um, so, Slaves to Gaming have announced Wave 3 of their Machining Krieger uh, for their 15mm, or Mac 15mm, as it's known. Um, so, if you're not aware of this, and it's something that I wasn't semi-aware of because of a friend who's a big... Machine and Krieger fan, and his house is adorned with dozens of the, the little tiny robots. I would say robots. Walking mech suits is actually probably closer to the mark. Um, but it's it's sort of the 29th century. Earth's had World War IV. Uh, it's kind of habitable again. So humanity has been sent back from their colonies beyond the stars uh, or other parts of the the solar system anyway, and the style democratic republic have been given land rights for the radioactive earth. Um, unfortunately, people don't like how they're doing stuff and therefore uh, mercenaries and uh, rebels spring up. Um, so these are all 15 mil figures. Um, there's quite a comprehensive range now, uh, but no game as yet. Uh, although we'll get to that in a little while. So there's the independent mercenary army. So you've got your fighting suits, um, and for every sort of release, they do both the SDR and the Merc 
companies, versions. These are the ones I'm really aware of. Normally those were big sort of glass heads. Um, running around the place armed with Panzerfausts, because uh, that's how you deal with walking tanks, is knock them out. Take them out of the knee, Shay. Take them out of the knee. It's the way to do it. Uh, but they're also um, support units. So instead of singly based, you get like a essentially a support weapon or heavy weapon team um, on a slightly larger base, uh, in this case, rocket launcher or uh, the Gustav heavy lasers for the uh, for the style. But there's a, a whole host of miniatures they've been working on for a while now, uh, including sort of single pilot walkers for light reconnaissance. And, uh, and recently they've also added a... Um, it's a single fighter type, but it's used by both sides, uh, but can be equipped in a variety of ways. There's the Custer Rotary Cannon, offering a bit of in-depth shootings. I love the the big coil spring mm. Uh, mm. on the legs. It has yeah, that. The engineering feels a little bit rough and ready, which I like. It it comes from the, the initial sort of Japanese um, comic or or construction of it uh, a lot of it was done using existing kits in a very star wars way so th they would take kits they would take actual pieces which meant you were often using because in those days there weren't a huge amount of sci-fi kits so you were often using real world model kits to then adapt to make into something sciencey fictiony mm. um so That's it kind of it kind of went that way the the little uh Fledermus. i've uh, seen the the machine in krieger 135th scale kits like i've seen yeah. them floating around and always wondered what the hell they were about because they look amazing there's a whole whole backstory and world um that uh, is all more or less the the concept of one man um now this uh is done um with his blessing so this is official there was a old style tactical slash strategic hex game with counters um in fact if we go to their website uh you might actually be able to see it so koi yokoyama is the the gentleman responsible for all of this there's the original board game rules there that's a good way to go you might be able to see what's happening with this or the sheer volume of this may go oh my god no you can't open it no no it's fine um so they are working on this 15 mil version uh of mac uh, in fact in august they're having a mini mac con um in canberra so if you happen to be uh, in australia and also are interested in 15 mil hard sci-fi future wargaming um you can see what they're working on because that's going to be used as sort of a play test for their 15 mil game um you can see it was like most of the, the big hex counter strategic games fairly in depth um so i've no idea how this new version is going to play out i say new version how this tabletop version is going to play out of of mac 15 um but they've been working away on these for for some time getting the the two core ranges ready and now you've got you know everything you should need to be able to play out so you've got your combined arms you've got your infantry um tanks and flyers now as well and of course the the big bubbly mechs which everybody loves him as well i want him opened because i am by nature that type of person there's the dollhouse aa for the mercs and you can see it 
they all have this real world aesthetic coupled with that weird bubbly armor yeah. in places or the, the nutcracker which just looks like it looks like something you would have seen constructed in the 80s from model kits where people have vac formed pieces and st- so you've got these very curved surfaces not everything's harsh angles but then very, occasionally it'll be blended with it's very doctor who come jerry anderson yes yeah yeah kind of work really and, and it's it's fascinating the <clears throat> the world that developed from that simply because of the restrictions in available materials and and how the the sort of the things were concepted and put together over time um so there is a facebook group as well if people are interested in the actual 15 mil style of things uh, and seeing how it's going to play out i will say out of them i'm i'm digging the vibe of the the mercenaries more really oh, yeah no, I'm, sdr's I'm, I'm, where it's at man yeah i'm thinking sdr yeah. what do you think Shay? sdr yeah i mean look at that i'm standing alone here folks 75 mil gun Hibachi. that's a, that's a chicken walker with a massive packer hun, yeah. hun included i mean yeah. it's it's gonna fire and do a barrel roll but this was the whole concept behind um shin krieger um that it was he wanted to do something hard sci-fi in the style of the star wars because mm. obviously it was starting to make big tracks in the early 80s and, and people had these things and you definitely see it with things like the chicken walker aesthetics and then like the big but the big heavy walking tank panzer suits and stuff um just add a whole other level to it so that range was a little bit delayed um because of the event uh but now wave three is out and so going great guns and hopefully the guys at slaves to gaming will be able to sort of push on and uh uh, and get a, a game that we can then chuck down on the table and start play. Um, but even if you're not looking for that particular game, the fact that these are 15 mil, there's a lot of other 15 mil um, sci-fi games that can that can be chucked out there. Things like Star Grunts and Hammer Slammers and bits and pieces like that. So, so yeah, uh, it's always nice to see more 15 mil sci-fi, um, especially something that's a bit more grounded uh, and less. Um, off the wall, I suppose. That's what's banging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, some actual historic. Uh, Perry's. They released the Franco-Prussians at Salute, I believe, if memory serves. Um, so it's a new plastic kit, or rather a set of two plastic kits for the Franco-Prussian War uh, with the French infantry. Um, interesting way they've done these boxes so two boxes with 38 figures in each which is a, a three-man command and then 35 infantry essentially um, but uh, what they've put together is essentially two sprues so you've got the french infantry advancing and then the french infantry firing um, and then they sort of they mix the sprues together in it so when you get the advancing box you get uh, like two sprues of advancing and then one sprue of firing to use as like skirmishers in front. And then when you get the the firing line, you get two of the firing and then one of the advancing to sort of have the guys at the back who are reloading or getting into position, um, which is a nice way of doing it because often you don't just want one static look for a whole regiment. Um, and it gives you a bit of... A bit of variation in them, especially if you're going to be playing some of the the larger scale 
um, games where you, you need to have your skirmishers. I was going to call them Voltigers, but that's slightly, well, I suppose, light infantry. Um, but yeah, you, you've got that sort of that cusp of a change with the Franco-Prussian War where it's going from the old school um, Napoleonic sort of line warfare into what we would think of as modern um sort of early World War One or sort of late colonial wars where you're breaking from line to, to skirmish yeah. uh, and sort of moving on from that. The, the sort of thing that was happening with the American Civil War just a, a few years earlier as well, um, that, that sort of, the technology had reached a, a point where the tactics of the old style of warfare, the, the line warfare, um, weren't going to suffice any longer. Uh, and generals were very slow in finding that out. But as always with the Perrys, some fantastic-looking sculpts. Uh, also, presumably, usable for um, their colonial warfare. Uh, so in North Africa, obviously, anybody's seen sort of Bougest and things like that will be very familiar with the look of the, the French Foreign Legion with Kepis, although they're missing the little... Uh, sunshade at the back um but yeah lovely set of plastics once again from them and presumably this will just be added to constantly uh, as is their want until they've got everything they need to play the whatever game they've um, decided that they want to play in the franco-prussian war it must be good to be the pairings we go i really want to play x and then they just sculpt a range yeah just make it themselves <laughs> it's it's where pretty much everything came from it's, it's certainly all their old GW stuff. The, the reason the Empire range for GW and the Bretonian range um, initially looked as they did was because they wanted to use those um, in their own wargaming, and therefore they, they were sculpted for very specific periods uh, <laughs> that they could then push on from, especially whenever they started doing the plastic tulling for the Empire's state soldiers. So they're absolutely cracking. There's also a set of 14 hard plastic Russian Napoleonic Lands, um, which are like Cav for the uh, Napoleonic Wars, with those um, the Chapskas, something I can't pronounce it. It's it's the little square topped hats that the the Polish lancers are sort of famous for wearing. But here we have some lovely Russian light cavalry as well. It is something we should really try and do. I think in all the years we've been doing this, we've never actually done like a proper Napoleonic 28 mil skill game on the tabletop. That's because Warren keeps wanting to add space lasers and wizards and stuff to it. Gets very confused and wanders off. He, he keeps gaming <laughs> between the gaps so much he keeps missing. He misses the game. Yeah. <laughs> I've aimed at the Napoleonics, but my gap has been so widened it's gone right through. And <laughs> oh, I've built UFO fantasy. Nazis again. Oh, <laughs> I'd have absolutely no problem with doing it. Um, I think it could be fun. It, it's one of these things where it comes down to what you want to do. Mm. So I've got a, I've, weirdly, I've got a British Perry Napoleonic army from War Games Foundry when they were sculpting from them uh, in 28, which probably looked like 25s these days to be fair but yeah that's scale creep for you people were um, shorter back then but it's, it's <laughs> well that is true but it's trying to put together opposing forces of a similar size so you, you need to pick your rule set first and decide mm. what way you're going to do it um the reason i've never got around to napoleonics is finding everybody has an idea of what their napoleonic game 
that they want to see on the table, not not their Napoleonic game as the game you've written, but what the game you want to play is. Mm. Um, and and for me, the the command and control part has always writ large for me. Um, that that I want, you know, I want my game to be X, Y, and Z, but. I, I want to have the idea of having your runners, having the um, the aide de camp being sent out to change the the orders on a unit, and perhaps that unit is still going to plow on for a little while. Uh, in the meantime, while that runner's desperately trying to catch up and go, God, no, there are Cossacks over that hill. Please, please come back to march up there. So, finding a, a rule set is the first the first trick. So we need to sit down and, and sort of bash out what we want to do. Um, yeah. Black Powder, I know, has a lot of critics uh, from sort of, you know, here's the the top end old school gamers. We we want this. Um, but Black Powder is incredibly popular because it's a very easy access route for people. And it has that um, command and control to a certain extent. But then you also have, I'd need to go in with a big marker and change all of the movement sizes <laughs> just because I don't have a 30 foot wide board um, and cavalry just go herring off like there's no tomorrow. So, so yeah. Well, the, the, this is the thing as well. I, I'm always nervous of Napoleon. It's because of maybe the amount of housekeeping you have to do in your command and control. But if it's, if it's self-contained and it works, no problem. Uh, it, it depends. Um, depends on the game. We're going off on a tangent here, but I blame the kids. Um, <laughs> I have, and he happens to have them to hand. No, well, I've got black powders up there, but I have um, Bella Ludi mm-hmm. uh, from Peter van Dup in the Netherlands, and it's it's like an even more stripped down version of Napoleonics. Mm. Uh, in fact, he's done a several games, um, which kind of work on a black powder esque basis, except instead of rolling uh, like a command dice. Uh, like a morale check for your commander. Um, they're little uh, D twenty, which are oh, you, well, you might focus. There we go. So they're they're labeled zero to three, and then there's also a big red blunder on it somewhere. There we go. So it's it's like a black powder game that's stripped back for convention gaming or for a large amount of people who don't play that particular rule set. So instead of instead of making morale checks and stuff, when you have to this check to make you just go. What do you want to do? You want to order those guys to go up there? Okay, roll the dice. Oh, one. You're only going to get one order for that unit this turn. So that might be one to, to go for. We'll see. We'll see. We can come yeah. back to it in the future. Why must you always distract me? Why? Because it's so enjoyable to hear you go off on one. Well, same as talking to John about tanks. You know, just pull the pen and let him go. I mean, the alternative, because I've got chosen men, which is a low model count. But it's really just recreating the Sharp TV series. Ah, uh, um, but but then it, you know, small scale skirmish Napoleonics. Is it really Napoleonics? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you've only got Sharp, Harper, and five other guys in a unit, and then maybe like ten cavalry. Yes, it's a great way of doing small. If you just want to play the, the sort of the period and paint the uniforms, but don't want to do massive armies. Well, that's so in a moose bush of it. Yeah. The, the problem, the problem with playing anything that has sharp in it, is that you're going to have that one guy at the table just shouting bastards. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, and everything. <laughs> I've got the sharp models for twenty eight mil as well. By of the course, way. you do from Brigade in in the US. Which, if you like sharp, you should really check them out because you can not just get sharp and the chosen men, but there's also uh, Hogan um, and uh, the little French. Um, 
I suppose he would have been Spy Master. I think he is. With the, Not the, the guy little, with the, the mask. The, the, no, the, the little red glasses and the little tiny hat on him. Oh, I know. He was forever, ever annoying uh, Sharp's happiness. But yeah, so for like a small-scale skirmish, chosen men might be interesting to just whet the appetite, get things started, and see about whether or not I can convince people to paint 50 men in a unit with uh, with white trousers. How many units? Oh, many, many units. <laughs> it's, but then this is this is another one where maybe 28 mil wouldn't be the way to go. Maybe drop down to 6 or 10 mil and, mm. and, and do something impressive on a grand yeah. scale. But I'm sure people in the comments would be feverishly typing, why, shut up, we'll move on. Or alternatively suggesting uh, a decent rule set. By the yep. way, in the Grand Runner and Shaco are not good rule sets because I've played them both. I don't want to ever see them again, so don't even bother mentioning them to me. And uh, that's out there on the internet uh, now. And oops, did he accidentally a war? Oh, I don't care. I'm not playing them again. <laughs> I played the once 30 years ago, and that was more than enough for me. Anyway, uh, speaking of streamlined games for playing, Daniel Mersey has announced the Armored Storm, the Eastern Front. Uh, so this is uh, essentially a tank battle game for World War Two. I couldn't tell from the name or the art. Yeah, it's it's subtle. <laughs> it's very subtle. Very subtle. Um, it, I mean, it looks like it's calling to Shea hardcore. Well, I mean, it, yep. it, it would be. Look at that. Uh, it's, it's only going to be available in PDF. And Daniel has said that this is not a serious study of tank warfare. This is an extension of his childhood spent pushing little tiny tanks and toy tanks around and enjoying himself. So if you're looking for an in-depth um, simulation, is probably the best word for that, uh, of Eastern Front Warfare, ignore this. Look on past it now. However, if you've looked at things like uh, movies in the past, like, um, oh, what's that one with the, the Panzer lead writ large on it? You've got the uh, the German massive German tank force all made of up of the Battle of the Bulge. Thank you. If if you've looked at things like that and go, oh, that looks majestic with all those tanks, right? I'd like to just do that, but I don't want to bother with any of the the fiddly things like infantry and aircraft and artillery and blah blah blah. Then this might be the game for you. Um, it is scale agnostic, so things work in distance units, and then depending on what scale stuff you have model wise. Uh, you can then obviously vary the distant units that you're going to be using. So 28 mil might be um, five centimeter movement and something like 10 mil or 15 mil, you may only be looking at uh, a few centimeters movement. So depending on your game scale, you can sort that out for yourself. But the idea behind it is kind of similar to Age of Penda that we looked at previously, where you have um, a tactics board and the uh, the game itself uses this. So you're playing with tank platoons and tank commanders. Uh, there's only German and uh, Soviet forces in here. So to give you an idea of, of sort of some of the, the things that he's drafted in to try and, and get the aesthetic and feel across, uh, you've got like a command radius for a tank. Germans uh, just need to be able to chain to one tank. Every Soviet tank needs to chain to two tanks within its platoon so that it compacts the Soviets more and they're, they're not, they don't do the as spread out sort of um, more uh, independent tank commander 
kind of feel well also you know germans not using so many flags for command mm. um but depending on the amount of forces on each side you'll have so many command tokens in a turn and the first thing you have is a tactics phase uh, so somebody will start off with the initiative and they get to place their token first and if you place it uh, on maneuver three then that locks it off so your opponent doesn't get maneuver three so they'll have to go well maybe maneuver two or go hull down or fire uh, so you can see where it goes you're by your choices you can stop your opponent from potentially doing things that he wants to do um and instead you can you know, sort of force them to react uh obviously seize the initiative means that uh, the initiative then flips and you get the to uh start placing tokens first in the following turn so i can imagine sometimes the initiative will flip back and forward or as shay will notice often i don't care about the initiative so much i'm much more interested in being able to activate specific things that i want like in our little osprey games um but if your firing is limited uh to two units or maybe only one unit then at that point you're going to have to make big choices and that's where the, the strategic depth for this sort of comes in it's it's trying to outthink your opponent and put your plan into action with the limited resources and in this case the limited resources are x number of units being able to activate to do whatever you want them to do um so that's very intriguing uh other things that um he's got in it is uh, it's a d10 system to begin with the uh charts themselves are very simple as far as arcs of fire go you've just got a simple 50 50 split um middle of the the hull dissected anything to the front uh, or anything forward of that sorry is the front armor anything back of that is the rear armor uh when you move you pivot the tanks once at the start move in a straight line once at the end uh so it's all about fast play and big tables filled with tanks trying attempting to outmaneuver and outperform your opponent um there are 12 pages of sort of tank lists at the moment already um there's only a 36 page rule set which is excellent and you can see the last half page is blank for your own stats but that's the sort of thing you're looking at so the tank type the speed so how many moves it can make during a maneuver um which means your light tanks can obviously whip off like nobody's business their front side armor and then penetration at ranges uh, so very simple and when you think there's 10 pages of that and each each page has got about five armored vehicles i'm going to stop calling them tanks actually because there are things like martyrs and hetzers and uh, isus and, and bits and bobs like that in there that don't have turrets uh, but there's also the american land lease and, and stuff like that um, but it means um it means there's fairly comprehensive lists uh, that you can sort of split early and late for the eastern front um and it's it's just a an interesting interesting way that you can explore that period um and play out big fun game so it may be a very attractive one for playing at a club or introducing kids uh, to war gaming where you're not having to go he's a 45 degree angle here is the oh you're only hitting the front armor and it, it's sloped front armor which means you've got less penetration and then you're at range and there's sub munitions and blah blah blah, blah. like in the okay, grand goes, manner i'm bored i'm off to play yeah like like in the grand manner um just leave that alone 
don't I don't want tables upon tables sometimes. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm impressed. But apparently, he'd previously done another armored uh, warfare version, which was um, Desert Storm, I think. So, uh, so this takes some of that. There's obviously there's scenarios and uh, other bits and pieces in there as well. But PDF only. It is made that you can print it out, so there's not lots of flashy pictures and things in it. It's a very basic black and white rule set for people who just go, I, I need a, a 12 page rule set. Thanks. Great. There we go. One tactics board laminated mm-hmm. and a double sided player sheet for each person. And, and you're cracking into some big Eastern Front games. And I happen to know there's loads of 15 mil tanks kicking around in the studio. So mm-hmm. that might be one that we could give a wee swizz to. See how that plays out. Definitely up for that. Yeah, Div, Div, dibs on the Russians. There, there are optional rules for mobile infantry and air support and stuff as well. If you want to draft them in, um, but I just like I like the idea of like a Kursk or Smolensk, something with just tons of armor. Walking yes, up to Prokhorovka. Yeah, and Dan knows that. Uh, yeah, tanks without armor probably. Oh, sorry, tanks without infantry isn't massively historically accurate, but it did happen on occasion. But really, it is just it's just for fun, quick games of of armor versus armor, slugging it out on the steps. In my so, head, I want to take all my one sixteenth stuff out and actually, you know, play. See how big can we scale this game? <laughs> as, I think as, we may need a field. Room. Yeah, yeah. There's yes. absolutely absolutely no problem with that. But can you imagine doing this, John? If you had enough RC tanks. That is exactly what I was aiming at. Oh, I, I, I think we all, deep down, John, I think we all had a an inkling that that's what you're thinking. <laughs> we all the, want to do it. The, the good thing about that is you just need to rob a local uh, tennis club. So we get a couple of those umpire's chairs. Yeah. So we can just sit either edge of the field. <laughs> with all the controllers well, in front of With a walkie-talkie to insult each other. Yeah. I mean, you, just, you, know, you can get disco on your phones and stuff these days, can't you? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you sit there. Just going, I've taken, you just have your little tactics board beside you. Go, I've taken maneuver three units. Ha ha ha. Go from there. Anyway, yeah. So, Armored Storm. Yeah. Oh, uh, you the, need a caddy for the controllers. That's, that's where you've got your big umpire chair. I'm sure we could, like, like a, a baby, because they're very similar to a baby's high chair in many respects, those umpire's chairs. We just need one of those flip down tables. You can just put them all in front of you. <laughs> I mean, this game plays itself essentially. Why are we not already doing this? At least moves itself. We should just leave, John. Yeah. How quickly can you get to field and charge up some room control things? <laughs> right. No. Anyway. Mm. Um, so, oh, and a more bit of news that uh, very exciting for me and possibly very exciting for young Justin there as well. Yes. Yeah, the world of the, the Genesis. Yeah. Um, Clan Wars is on its way. Now, we looked at this in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across this RPG, and it's called, it's Primal Punk is how it's described. So it's not post-apocalyptic, although it is. Um, but, it is but it's post-post. It's, it's 500-odd years past the impact of a meteor that changed the surface of the Earth and everything went horribly wrong. Mm. Um, and now it's just humanity in this new world attempting to uh, not get killed up. Mm. Uh, and so drag it's, it's, itself out of the ashes. It's like survival 
I was going to say survival horror. It is if you go into the forests. Um, it's mostly survival. It's humanity attempting to survive. And the um, the world that the guys at Six More Vodka had put together was just stunning. Um, it's all still available. It's all, in fact, right there on the, the Genesis website. Yeah, but I can't ever get my hands on those big, beautiful books that they made. These? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, they're got- so pretty. I've got the complete set. Uh-huh. Oh, so uh-huh. nice. Um, so the RPG uh, is no longer being sold in a physical format, but all of it is still here, and there's a lot of it. However, um, they've been working away in the background for over a year. Uh, last year, they teased that something was coming, something was happening, um, with just a little tease of Clan Wars, but didn't say anything more about it. And then last week, they announced, I say announced, sort of gently slid in and went, here it is. Um, and what it is, is a tabletop skirmish game version of it that is going to be coming to um, Kickstarter sometime soon. Don't know exactly when. Shut up and take my money. They have been, I mean, backlit teasing shots of things is very annoying um, mm-hmm. because everybody wants to see it in writ large the world the artwork the development of it even the the previous trailers and videos that they did of people like Falberg getting ready to, to go out um was just stunning uh, i mean it could have been a movie or a tv series um so oh, I, I dare to dream taking all of that in-depth world building that they've done and all of the great concept and artwork. And I've seen suspicion. I want to say Paolo Parenti may have been involved with some of the, the recent stuff as well. Don't hold me to that though, but I think I've seen it in passing. Uh, but they're returning to it um, with a semi-cooperative narrative skirmish game. Um, there'll be campaign maps. There'll be tabletop sort of... Uh, gameplay maps as well and there'll be a whole host of factions now within the world of degenesis you've got everything from people who are essentially subsistence living peasants to wandering nomadic bands um uh scraping by or attacking anybody else who's kicking around uh to in-depth built cities uh with just cars and and um also, the the humans who were asleep in cryogenic tombs the, that the have woken Swiss, up. The yeah. filthy Swiss who blew yeah. up all the bridges when things were kicking off and then hit themselves away so that mm-hmm. they've got best tech, best armor, they come rocking yeah. out. And then wake themselves up by stages so it's not just everybody wakes up at the same time. Mm-hmm. There are fresh recruits coming. And the chroniclers who may or may not be some sort of hive AI mind. Mm-hmm. Don't, wor- don't worry about them. They're all fine. You're looking <laughs> all a bit rough. Here. At what point did you decide to carve a cross into your head, Justin? You see, that that may have been a moment of I went into the wrong village and had a few too many and just this is a great idea. That's 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 kind of a hold my beer moment, that mark. Yeah. So this is uh, Steel Beam. Uh, that is the Club of the Cockroach King that uh, he wields now. Uh, kind of filed down into a rough sword. I can't imagine that the blade is much on it. It's more for bludgeoning through than neatly chopping. I mean, um, everything's sharp if you swing it hard enough. That's what they tell me. Um, but they have actually oh, shown a off a bit of the miniature. So this is just from, I'm not sure whose desk this was, maybe Liam's, maybe Marco's. 
So we don't know what scale it's going to be going for, 28, 32, whatever. I imagine it probably be the larger scale because most things are these days. Mm. But you can see the that detail gorgeous, that's gone though. from that original artwork into putting this guy into a 3D version of him. He's missing some notches. Every time he clubs somebody to death, anybody's stupid enough to attack him, he notches the uh, the blade on his, uh, his sword. You can do that through your games. You know, keep a kill oh, that's going. That's true, yeah. So there's there's lots we don't know yet. Um, do know it's starting with uh, 13 characters. Do know that it's going to be starting uh, with uh, a whole range of things that will be unlocked as the the campaign pro progresses, uh, some of which they've already told you know, what the banner will be. So things like an additional 12 characters will be expanded into it um, because they've been tinkering away. Uh, with the uh, Discord, or Disco as I call it, um, and and they are very, very uh, animated when it comes to engaging their community. Mm. Uh, so the if I go into Discord, but don't. So they do an awful lot of teasers and codes that you need to kind of cipher. So. You see that when the world was young and memorize our origins and all this sort of stuff. So they've been doing these receiver transmissions. So sort of unusual little things that have been popping up on a, a daily or weekly basis. And then people have been combing through these little videos and GIFs and stuff to spot little like numbers Please, hidden in the yeah. background uh, and then have spent their time deconstructing what these actually mean. Um, on top of this, they've also got Twitter and Instagram, which I'm aware of. I've never been there, but <laughs> thankfully they are, you know, um, combining all of that, compiling it into into the Discord here. So if you're not on those, you can see it. But uh, they're they've been using using social media and using Discord to try and generate interest, and so they're teasing extra stuff as they go and unlocking extra stuff as more people sort of sign up and subscribe so you can uh, find out what else is happening uh if you're one of the people who likes puzzles and there are many they have a whole discussion channel on it um and then this this evening uh friday evening they're going to be uh having a, a sort of a live stream really type thing so there's tons of stuff coming um instantly it's, sold it's just a case of how does this all sort of develop and how how it comes together so i know they've talked about tabletop maps on top of the campaign map um it is a skirmish game so i'm expecting multiple people it is semi-cooperative and narrative so is it kind of trying to take the rpg feel onto the the tabletop or will it just play out in some other unforeseen way um there's one thing the people at Six More Vodka uh, are not, they never do the bare minimum. They never rest their laurels. The fact they've been beavering away, working on all new artwork and working, uh, finding different partners to do things like the sculpting and the uh, presumably the miniature making side of things as well, um, before they even announced that this was coming is is just massive. So, Well, it was the, the spark of insanity and genius that they had, where if you wanted to buy the books, you could. They were limited run, but every single thing they ever made was always free for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's all still there. Um, on on that Genesis website, you can see the link in the in the story. Um, and, and it's full 
PDFs, full color, high res. So you're not losing anything uh, except being able to actually flick through the books. So that'll, that'll harden you. Um, but yeah, uh, fascinating to see where things go. The fact that it's semi-cooperative as well. There are monsters that have been corrupted in the world of the Genesis in the future. Um, but in the RPG, you didn't really tackle them uh, because if you ran into some of those mutant creatures, you were just dead. Um, they existed uh, in the same way that, you know, a lion or gorilla exists in our world or even worse, a hippo. Um, they are things that are out there. And if you run afoul of one, it doesn't matter how buff or well-toned or how many ultramarathons you can run, they will absolutely miller you. Uh, and likewise in this, if something came creeping out of the forest with some sort of strange um, mantis-like axe for hands, uh, then you were absolutely hamstrung. So the, the game itself revolved around the people who were essentially trying to get back to top, you know, almost like feudal system setting up. Yeah. People are, are getting killed up left right and center and and that's how how they approach that will will we see more of the monster side or will they focus in on telling the story telling the narrative campaigns of your group of characters together and occasionally you might run into something that you really wish you shouldn't have but, you know fascinating i'm looking forward to it you may have i mean you may have caught that i'm hoping Liam still lives in um he was in Ballycastle. Aye. If he's still in Ballycastle, I need to come down to the studio and, and see what's going on. Uh, I think at one stage he was talking about possibly moving to somewhere foreign like Scotland. Oh dear. So, yeah. Well, it's yeah. not that bad. You know, oh, a couple hours on the ferry. Still quite bad. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So Clan Wars from Six More Vodka, definitely worth checking out. And if you're interested in seeing more, uh, the Discord, um, their disco is just absolutely ramped full of things right one more did a little bit of news which isn't really news but i thought we I thought we should bring it up because we're about halfway through um we've been running the spring clean challenge there is at this stage about 60 days or two months ish left to go uh, if you're not aware of the spring clean challenge it's a chance to dust off old things or get back involved with something that you've not touched in a while. Um, so people have been diving into the projects, either resurrecting old projects uh, and reclassifying them or starting new ones and just digging out something dusty or half primed from an age ago. And it's really just a case of, you know, during the first quarter of the year up here in Nurnerand anyway, because I know people are going, it's winter where I am. I don't care where you are. The world revolves around us. Um, but yeah, it's a chance to to dust off those projects and try and get them uh, another lease of life, finish off the things that have been sadly abandoned and left on a shelf. Uh, if you're interested in getting involved with the Spring Clean Challenge, you just come over to ontabletop.com. Uh, if you're not already a member, you can do a free sign up. Um, doesn't cost you anything. And you just go into the uh, project system and just add a project and go from there. There are a bunch of categories we have the best skill best tutorial best idea best otter pup our junior member and then warren added breath of fresh air where he wants people to go outside and take pictures Madness. In, in the outside world does does my window sill count as outside <laughs> depends <laughs> if you go out your front door and take a photograph of it in the way onto mm. your hobby desk mm. 
Oh, well, then, there, there we go. So we can do that. Um, so yeah, a few different categories you can throw in for. Um, there are five main prize winners get £75 voucher and then five runners-up of £25 for the OTT store by merch. Um, but if you're not already involved and you've got something collecting dust that you're thinking, you know what, I should get into that. Or maybe there's some games coming up that you're thinking, well, I just need to go and paint some Napoleonics in six mil. Then, you know, why not chuck in for that? Show people what you can do. And, you know, if you want to go for something like the best tutorial, we've had some corkers in the past. Uh, Bruce Lee's um, Funnies, Hobart's Funnies, uh, from a previous year where he built all of the sort of the 15 mil versions of the the tank editions that were used for D-Day uh, and beyond. Um, were, it was an amazing project. That one you should just go and have a look at anyway if you've an interest in World War II armor. Um, just seeing him doing things like the bobbin layer and stuff, uh, some of which were bought, some of which were scratch built, uh, but the entire thing was an absolute joy. And seeing tutorials like that are just amazing. But then at the same time, you can see very simple tutorials where it's just somebody going, here's how I make a tree out of wires, or here's how I've done X, Y, and Z. So it's just a, a chance for anybody who fancies doing a bit of hobby to get involved and uh, show us what you've got. Insert Rick and Morty giant heads here. Right. We shall be right back after this wish to finish off the show. Did you win one of our prizes? Find out on our prize claim centre over at ontabletop.com. Here we list all our previous prizes and those who have won. If you see your username, fill out the form to claim your prize. All prizes must be claimed within 30 days. Okay, we are back to finish off the show with some crowdfunding campaigns. And column Kickstarters this week? No, because one isn't, <laughs> and it would just confuse me. Um, but they're all marked as Kickstarter in our running order. Somebody's you, lying to me. None of you ever read that, so <laughs> no. it doesn't matter. Um, since we didn't have a 3D printing as yet, uh, I thought I'd start things off with a little bit of 3D printing. Um, so... This is a Kickstarter, courtesy of Cathy Millett, um, for modular landing pads. They come in a variety of flavors, uh, sort of two types. One, very Star Wars-esque, Galaxy Far, Far Away, and the other one, more modular. Uh, indeed, there are two different types of uh, pledges available. You can have your um, galactic set, or you can have your modular set. And as you can see there, there's a whole host of ships and things sitting on them. Do they do uh, the ships or is no. that just from other places? Other places. Some of them okay. are some of Warren's toys from terrible cartoons for kids. Um, but, I mean, for example, that's Jedi Fighter. Uh, the Galactic Star Set, as you can see there, are fairly chunky. I, mm. I love the... Big sweeping rings, very tattoo-esque. You know, you just stick a wave crest or whatever in there. And that one has a touch of the best bit about it. Um, the modular set is probably more ubiquitous uh, for people because it uses the open lock system. And you can just get in and click-clack things together in a variety of shapes. So you've got your, your squares, circles, hexes, triangles. You can tessellate it in a whole variety of ways and then also finish it off as well um there's also a couple of nifty little things which i believe she'll show at the end of this video uh there's like a girder structure that 
is printed for the open lock. So when you're putting them together, there we go, uh, it gives a bit of rigidity to the, the structure rather than have it sagging, especially if you're going to dump something huge on top of it. And uh, yeah, it can be expandulated quite considerably, which is a real word what I have not just made up. Um, <laughs> people may be familiar uh, with Kathy's work. I've been a subscriber to her YouTube channel for donkey's ages. Uh, and then about two months ago, she started doing a lot of Star Wars Legion miniatures. I'm going, this is a bit weird because she's not a wargaming channel. Uh, Kathy's stuff is all about scenery. Not saying she hasn't done stuff in the past. In fact, I think Second Dynasty, um, who have made some big 3D printing ships that we've looked at in the past, mm. um, sent her some for one of their Kickstarters and she painted them up. But, you know, you're you're as likely to get a Mandalorian in, you know, one-sixth scale scenery alongside a couple crossing an icy lake um, as you are to see anything specifically connected to a, a, a board game. But it's a great channel for uh, people who are looking to build terrain and scenery and learn how to do various things because it, it covers all the bases from casting, molding, uh, applying resin effects and water effects, that sort of thing. So yeah, like I say, about two months ago, started doing some basing and Star Wars Legion stuff, and presumably it was all for this. So that answered that question for me, which was nice. Um, <laughs> but... There's a whole host of ways you can put the stuff together, uh, which is very good, including uh, the uh, the core early bird sets. You can see that you've got multiple layers. So if you want to build something really big, like if you want to fit a Millennium Falcon slap bang in the middle of one of these, you could probably do it. It would be most of your table, I imagine. But, you know, if, if you're going to be putting a, a Falcon on the table, then why not go big? I accept this challenge. See, I like the idea of this because this style of terrain system you can actually use to really fill out your table without making it unplayable. Yeah. The interesting thing is, and I don't know how much has come back from some of the people from like Darkfire and, and Second Dynasty have, have given her sort of advice and support and stuff. Um, but there are a set of steps coming in you can see later on where the ramps are either very long and shallow or the steps are very broad so you can fit miniatures on them and have them walking up it without going well they look realistic but they can't stand anybody on them these yeah. you know they're, they're much more broad spectrum uh, and like you say you know something like um xenos rampant or uh, stargrave you know building up a a host of stuff for your tabletop especially lots of space support Lots of scenarios are set in spaceports, so having those are always good for a laugh. Yeah. Um, even the landing pad clutter that you can download these STLs to print yourself is quite nice as well because, you know, you need tubes and stuff to be coiled around the floor and lying all over the place. How else will scoundrels and fighter pilots trip over them running there? Or, you know, if there's, if there's nothing to plug in, what's an Ugnot going to do? See, I, I love the design of those as well because you can take buildings that aren't very sci-fi and just pop them on it to sci-fi it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, having the tanks and the uh, the cabling and stuff slapped onto the side is, is a great way of doing it. Uh, so yeah, a whole host of you know simple geometric shapes that allow you to, to put these things together, but they've 
they've got a, a variety of sort of toppings. So there's like um, sort of sci-fi flooring and there's also a grid pattern and you've got various sides. So because it's all open lock system based, you can chop and change to your heart's content to get a, a variety of things. Or when you pack it away, uh, take off the big sticky art bits that may make parking it somewhere when it's not being game with difficult normally just clip them all off stick it in a bag and when you come to play again you know put the side on that, that you require um so i really like it including things like i mean various styles of legs but also various heights as well it means you can play around with it and there's some of those big chunky stairs stretch goals started kicking off so we've already things like the aerial pack again you're saying about sticking those onto non uh sci-fi terrain so for example if you picked up a load of adobe buildings from fugu mm-hmm. uh, a few of these leashed on the top and a few boxes at the doors and bish bash bosh tattooing writ large stick a big galactic airport in the middle of it and away you go um things like the ring steps i think it's a really nice looking bet especially where they've got those buildings and wall sections that are very curved curvaceous curvaceous that's a great word um means you can have these nice swooping pieces not everything has to be rigid squares and right angles and you know uh, 60 degree angle hexes everywhere in the future yeah Sometime. the feet the feet on that platform look suspiciously familiar don't they though i mean make, make if, my you, eye twitch. If, you, <laughs> if you've just knocked over a few of them and they're sitting around doing nothing why not build a platform on top of it it's the way to do it uh, so there are plans for a whole host of um stretch goals obviously uh it only launched yesterday i think and there's um a whole month to go so there's 28 days left on it so i imagine all of these stretch goals will start to get busted once people find out about it mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's really nice to see a, a new range coming in uh, and from very unexpected uh, angle somebody who's been 3d printing pretty much since 3d printing kicked off um but little small things bits and pieces for dioramas and scenery so obviously she's been experimenting with how to get the best out of 3d printing for a while so now actually taking the next step and producing a range of her own is is just terrific yeah i do like the fact that the estimated delivery is coming in june time so you don't have a huge amount of time to wait on it there is in fact i think it's at the very bottom so i'm going to do this and annoy everybody Zoom. Uh, yeah. there, there is a breakdown of when it's coming here we go so after kickstarter ends the pledge manager go out and then the files will all go out shortly after then late pledges will become available so i know sometimes because of manufacturing people will do the late pledge with the pledge manager yeah um but in this case it's because it's it's solely digital files uh backers first and then people who missed out on it can jump in afterwards yeah, uh, and pick up their pledges, which is a nice touch. I enjoy that. Yeah. Also, if you're watching this on Friday, uh, the early bird is still active for mm, probably about another eight hours or so. So yeah. So yeah. So if you're watching this as soon as we've chucked it out, or first thing Saturday morning, uh, and you're interested, you may still be able to get your hands on the early bird pledge. But even beyond that. Uh, I can't imagine the regular core pledges are going to be much higher than that. You're only looking 52 quid for the all-in, which is um, both the modular and the uh, galactic core sets. So, Plus your yeah. stretch goals. 
Plus, yeah, plus any of the stretch goals that unlock as they go through. So anybody interested in uh, in playing a bit of sci-fi gaming and doing a bit of 3D printing, uh, the modular sci-fi landing pad have got 28 days left or a few hours on that early bird. Now, going from one person taking the plunge into a new sort of uh, avenue to a whole other one, and this is Vilni Inc. Um, now, there is a website come YouTube channel called the Grim Dark Compendium. Uh, it is a bunch of painters who uh, paint in the Grim Dark style, whatever you choose that to mean. Uh, this is not a crowdfunding campaign per se in that it's well it is but it's not an all or nothing so often we look at them and you know things like kickstarters you need to hit a goal before it unlocks blah 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 um that um it's a fantastic screen name but unpronounceable has been painting and doing tutorials for a long time including doing a lot of enamel washes and stuff generally up until now he's been using um ak or the old MIG line for enamel washes, um, which are good, but very focused towards military modeling. Um, obviously, whenever you're painting 40K uh, or sci-fi like that, it works in some cases. In other cases, you want things beyond it because you're going to be using a lot of, um, a lot of hues and tones that aren't generally found in military modeling. Uh, so the Vilni ink range of enamels is enamels it's very important to remember that these aren't going to be acrylics isn't just a new range of enamel paints and washes um, that are going to be produced by someone with his name stuck on it uh, this crowdfunding campaign is going to be run from his studio so this is to fund the materials the machine to print the labels the mixing machines for the bottling um you know, so he's literally going to be mixing uh, pigments, enamel, oil, all the bits and bobs with resins and rosins and uh, mediums, uh, essentially in a shed in his house type of thing, um, which I 100% uh, am on board with. Um, because sometimes you'll see people will, and their their names in the community in various ways, and they'll go, well, I'm going to release a range of brushes. And you're going, are you? Well, no, not really, because artist, whatever, is just going to stick my brand on it, and then we're going to charge you a fiver extra. Whereas this is literally a fella is going to be mixing this stuff up uh, and shipping it out uh, from a studio. The interesting thing for me, the initial three, which is a, a red rust brown, a streaking grime, and a black enamel, have already been sorted. Uh, he's adding more to the range, but... The formulation he's come up with, and somewhere there lives a video that might demonstrate it. I don't want that one. I want the one with the other thing. Might be this one. Is it doesn't all lift. So you can remove and then let it dry and then go, mm, I want more off, and then take a bit more off and then let it dry and then go, mm, no, I won't. Which means you can actually reverse fade or feather your weathering and tones um, which is something more akin to oils than enamels when it comes to stripping stuff back off 
He does it very well on it's that. That's the one he does it on. Can I ambiguate you? Yes, I can. Can I skip along to somewhere else? Possibly not. Nah, not that one. It's that door. He takes it off that door in sections until he ends up with essentially a beautiful fade of that sort of teal goes down to the rust at the bottom. Um, so there are other things apart from additional colors that have been sort of unlocked as the stretch goals have gone, coming in the, the way of STL files from um, other sort of members of the uh, Grimdark community. So we've got some large-scale figures and also large-scale busts. And I mean, a lot of this stuff is kind of more geared towards the bust painting artists, although obviously a lot of the techniques, as John has often shown us, you can do on um, vehicles and miniatures as well. So there have been, I think, five more inks. I want to say it might not be five, but we'll see as we scroll down. Uh, that have been added since then, so dystopian brown. Uh, Decay of Death, which is a, obviously a, what we would think of as like a, a technical kind of fluorescent paint, Aquella Green and Carrion Crimson. And these ones are the ones that I'm most interested in because sort of it's off color stuff. Yeah, off black enamels and browns and stuff. We, we, we can guess the formulation may be different, but we can get them. But stuff like that, mm. doing. Uh, those high contrast hues and, and enamel washes to sort of um, separate out uh, pigmentry, um, changing changing the depth and tone because this can tint as well. Those are fascinating. Um, and there may already be companies doing them, but nobody that I've stumbled across as I've been looking for stuff. So I'm very keen to see this go well. Um, a lot of backers already. Uh, and already hammered through most of his stretch goals. So the initial goal to get the, the equipment he needs and get the um, bits and pieces, the, the uh, raw materials uh, has already been hit. And like I said, if it wasn't anything he made from it would go towards launching the range anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's due to come out in October, um, which means you can, you can sort of, back to support then he's start production and then people will be able to then purchase off um off him in october so a little bit of a lead up time but uh considering it's not just going to be a rebranded ak or rebranded mig or whatever it is i yeah. think it's a, a fascinating step there's some videos on him mixing the stuff up and testing it out and if you haven't been on the uh grimdark compendium website um you know you can get an idea of the sort of the work he does along with some of the other people there are some fascinating tutorials and um, sculpting and painting or even just sort of inspirational stuff as well so this gives you an idea of the sort of um style of painting that he does currently and therefore what he's making the range to sort of add into and, and expand upon uh, and when you see things like that you can understand why a sort of pinkish red enamel wash maybe yeah. something that he requires in his life um because i mean that's just absolutely stunking yeah yeah so uh, the, is this one of those cases where because he actually would need it and use it a lot he has made it and then went you know what this could be helpful for other folks i, I think it's i think it's partly that partly um the fact that those particular colors and, and materials don't exist or don't exist in an easily accessible way for people to pick up already so and they're colors that would be quite dominant in the 
grim dark style of painting anyway yeah you do, you do see a lot of that real weird off primary color sort of stuff going on yeah yeah so you know where you get a lot of people doing similar style of painting um but in different in different hues and hues and, and tones and stuff uh, this is somebody going well here are the colors i i use and would like to see um so yeah uh, certainly the community that um that know about him are already there uh, so i just thought that might be a little interesting nugget to chuck in for others who are unaware I know some people hear grim dark and then they suddenly start twitching as a term, but you know, it's out there. We, we can't get rid of it. It's like gazumping. <laughs> right. Uh, one last, and this is back to Kickstarter, Kickstarter. Um, and I thought since we were looking at some lovely painted miniatures, we could take a look at some lovely painted miniatures. Uh, so Dave Taylor, uh, a man who once asked John to uh, write stuff for his book. Hi, John. Hi. Uh, is, is back uh, on Kickstarter with a new triptych three-volume set of The Art Of. Uh, we have had a slew, well, we've had six uh, of these already. Uh, they generally cover specific artists, although the initial one was um, the miniature monthly group. Uh, but... They're not tutorial books per se, although they sometimes include tutorials. Uh, these are almost like coffee table books that are full of inspiration and the like. Uh, this time round, there are three new artists being covered. So Eric Swinson, uh, Yarni Daly, I think it's from the Faroe Islands, and um, Katarzyna Gorska. Uh, each of the books is just jam-packed with a ton of art from their catalogues. Um, and you can see there, there's some stunning work in there. However, each of the books is also themed in a certain way. So volume seven, um, which is focused on Eric, uh, will include stuff about light and volume, color choice and collaborations with people. That um, being Bloodhoof that popped up at the end is a particularly good example of a collaboration. I think he actually won a uh, competition at the end of last year in Spain, if I remember Marco was in it so i was looking to see who the winners was and that popped up and uh and that is a 90 mil world of warcraft character that was sculpted i don't believe it's actually available anywhere else although i've seen a couple of people paint it so maybe it got a very limited run um but these while there are tutorial parts in them and some of the stretch goals are to expand uh the sort of the tutorials you can see a lot of it is just there for um aspiration slash inspirational work where you can go I fancy doing X, uh, and here's a nice example of somebody using these, you know, possibly clashing or contrasting colors together. How to how to develop your painting style and take it in new directions that you might not think of, because it's very easy to get into a habit of all zeniths must be grayscale, um, all light comes from top down. You know that it's it's just the way we tend to approach things as figure painters and as war gamers you know you look for repeatable systematic easy things uh, but then maybe coming in and going well maybe light sources don't always have to be there uh, maybe your zenith base coats don't always have to be grayscale what if we use a red to pink um, zenith 
knowing that the main colors are going to be a blue to give us really interesting purple shadows or, you know, things like this. You pick up interesting little nuggets throughout these books that you may not uh, think of initially. Um, so say volume seven is about collabs and color choices and stuff like that. Uh, volume eight, uh, possibly one for you, John, a lot of stuff on weathering, um, planning out your terrain and displays and, uh, also, um, creating a, a sort of a moment in time if you're making dioramas, uh, and that's where, um, Yarny, uh, sort of comes in. And then the final volume, uh, is about textural painting, ethereal lighting, and sculptural basing. And as you can see from the, the dragons, uh, it, it's absolutely, I mean, mind blowing the work uh, that she has done on those dragons, especially the, the textural painting. Larger models tend to have a lot of flat areas on them. Um, and I know some people look at those with sheer panic. Like you've got a massive wingspan or you've got a huge flat piece of armor or what have you. What am I going to do with this? Uh, and the, the answer is, you know, use it as a basis use it like a canvas even a miniature form to sort of push on from there and, and not just have a flat color or a gradient but maybe paint something like the 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 skin tones the blood vessels the scale whatever it happens to be um you can you can really stretch yourself with these uh there are a couple of different ways you can pick this up you can obviously get the books like nature intended um, where you can just sit down and flick through them, which is great. You can also get uh, a PDF thing for the kids. That's how you scroll a PDF. Uh, or a combination of the two. Um, if, I, if you're going to be buying something like this, though, maybe it's just me, but I don't think I don't think it is. You tell me if I'm wrong. I think the book is the way to go. PDFs are, are yeah. great if you're looking for text searchable stuff. If you're looking to go, what is the Thaco number um, for an orc? Great, control F that all day long. But sometimes, if you're if you're thinking about starting a new project, you don't know what you're searching for. You don't know what the inspiration is going to be. And sometimes, just sitting down with a book and flicking page by page and going, "Ah, oh, I remember seeing something, didn't I?" What books I just go through and go, you know, you're looking for that big armored mech, and then maybe you come across something entirely different that puts you in another frame of mind and sends you off in another direction. Um, as you can see, it is going to be shipping friendly from a variety of hubs, which is always good. Uh, I couldn't see whether or not you could pick up the original six volumes in here however you can get those um from a couple of different distributors so you can get them in the states and then uh, warroad games is the distributor for um the the first six volumes in the uk i don't think there's one for eu at the moment um we get them that's true yeah yeah because we get them via warlord don't we yep yeah my merch yeah by merch on tabletop.com um but just another fantastic set of books from another stunning set of artists. Um, Dave sent me through some pictures of some of the stuff that was going in the book, and it was, oh, oh, it made me want to break my paintbrushes. But I thought, <laughs> I never used them, so why should I be so cruel? Um, but it is, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where you're looking at it, you're going, 
they are like works of art. And I seen somebody, it's actually somebody from the Salute Week um, commenting on, oh, it might have been a video, it might have been a post, it might have been, might have been somewhere on Facebook, but they were complaining that the painting competition now just seemed to be filled with pro painters. I should go, but that's, that's what you want to see in a painting competition. You know, if I want to see how gamers paint miniatures, I'll paint a miniature myself. Um, the answer is half-heartedly and generally not finished. Uh, but actually seeing somebody put the time, effort, and work in and create these stunning dioramas, single figures, big scale sculpts, whatever it happens to be, and they approach it in a way that I certainly never think of a lot of the time. Uh, and with color palettes and, and choices that you just, you not saying your head would rebel when you think about it, but you look at it and go at no point would I have thought of using X for that or using this hue for a shade. Um, you know, it, it, it just, it expands, it expands the realms of painting uh, into new directions for you. And sometimes you're not going to use half of what you see in the book. But then you'll pick up a, a miniature and you'll think, you know what, maybe maybe I'll give that a try. Maybe I'll try a bit of object source lighting or maybe for this large piece and GW are forever releasing larger and larger models. Um, and, and at that point, you can take the extrapolations of how do you make a diorama for a, a, a large scale miniature. And that just becomes how do I make the base for this GW miniature that's as big as my arm, you know, because they, they have bases that are 120, 190 mil these days. So you're not going to static grass it and sand it um, in the same way that you would do with a, a 28 mil figure that fills almost the whole base, you know. You, Watch me. Well, <laughs> obviously share, share side. But, that's accepted. But yeah, so um, interesting, interesting set of books uh, from Dave once again, and uh, fourteen days left to run on that Kickstarter. If you fancy taking a swing at the art of, definitely worth checking out. Right, I think that wraps us up for another week. We shall return next Friday, same bad time, same bad channel. But if that's too far away, we're going to be lurking around on Sunday morning, like a student at the bottom of their bed at 12 in the afternoon. Who knows what state we'll be in. You can come over to ontabletop.com and join us as we witter about our hobby and yours in our relaxed Sunday morning XLBS. Until then, have a great week of gaming. Bye-bye. Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, why not hit subscribe and remember to ding our dong. Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.